Hello, welcome to ATM, Artists Talk Movies, a podcast interviewing creatives about films that have inspired and or influenced their personal studio work. I'm Hyde Fontenot, and I'm here with co-host Aaron Stafford. We're here to talk about contemporary art and the creative impulse with new guests each episode. We're having casual conversations. We don't pretend to be authorities. We're hoping to give you a window into the visionary process of makers. Good morning to you. How are you? Good, good. Yeah. I'm jazzed. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know we've we've been uh, sort of talking about this episode for some time and um, the sort of difficulty uh, with the accessibility of the film, but now it's on Netflix, which Hooray. is amazing. I know. I know. I know. I'm like, what cosmic trick is yeah. uh, is happening right now that this... <laughs> this film I'd never heard of before and was so glad to get uh, introduced to by our guest this week and um, totally. yeah and and totally. now it's uh now it's it's on Netflix so yeah. and you know everyone civilized has Netflix <laughs> or at least has civilized friends who they're yeah, bo- it <laughs> right <laughs> I know, I know. You've been bootlegging on my Amazon account, which is funny because I bootleg off of my sisters. We're all Amazon. going to jail. Yeah. Yes, we are. Well, shall I introduce our yeah. guest artist? Yeah, do you want to? Yeah, so this episode we have Dr. Fahamu Paku is a visual and performing artist whose work engages with representations of black masculinity with dynamic figurative subject matter interwoven with themes of history, music, and social movements. He has had a retrospective exhibition called Miroir de l'Homme in 2017, located in Paris, received a PhD in 2018, and has artwork featured in several TV shows and films, including Blackish, The Shy, and Master of None. Bahamu is black with a capital B, proud father and husband, and son of the African diaspora. In addition, he is the founding director of ADAMA, which is the American Diaspora Art Museum of Atlanta. So welcome, Bahamu. Hey, hey, hey. Hi. <laughs> good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And just, just you know, by way of... Uh, of, of acknowledgement and note, it's the African Diaspora Art Mu- Museum of Atlanta, um, also known as Adama. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Except, so when when did that museum um, become established? Is uh, that recent? Yes, yeah, very recent. Um, we actually officially opened our quote-unquote doors um, uh, right at the beginning of uh-huh. the pandemic uh, last year. Uh-huh. Uh, we realized, because uh, we we've been working on, you know, how we were going to announce and launch Adama. Uh, and we were, you know, trying to hold out until we had a physical space and all these kinds of things. But 
once uh, uh, quarantine happened and everybody was just kind of sitting in front of their computers looking for content to right. <laughs> to devour, yeah. we were like, well, here's our chance to uh, to, to to come out and to um, introduce ourselves to the world. And so we launched with a series of virtual programs, and uh, and and it's been you know the floodgates open ever since. That's fantastic. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of funny. As as much as the quarantine has been horrible, uh, or and the pandemic has had been horrible, it's also sort of been, uh, if you can reimagine uh, programs and uh, how you work in the arts, it could also be a bit of a blessing because of how it just stopped everything, and and you're able to reimagine. Um, like interactions with the public mm -hmm. so uh that's something like i've been able to take advantage of in san antonio with solidius as well just uh i know it's 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 really hard to talk about good things coming from the pandemic but uh <laughs> well um, i got to teach in my pajamas so i was <laughs> thrilled in fact going back to work it's been pr pretty miserable yeah but. That's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, maybe we should just take a survey. And who's wearing pants right now? Oh, no. <laughs> do do uh, do exercise pants count like those little like, <laughs> legging things? Because yeah. I'm, I'm straight that, out of the gym. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's they count. You know, they count. I have friends that work in fashion, and they actually there's a category for that called athleisure. <laughs> and, and I was like, "Are you kidding?" And they were like, "No, it's a real <laughs> thing." Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it counts. It counts. Yeah. So, Fahamu, uh, should we talk about um, your film choice this week? I would love to. I'm so, I've been so looking forward to this conversation. And like you guys, I was blown away when I got the news that it was going to be released on <laughs> right? Netflix. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like, who, who was listening to my dreams? <laughs> uh-huh. I we know. Were, we were sort of skeptical, thinking that you knew somebody at Netflix or something. <laughs> More of that Illuminati magic. Uh -huh. we, we, we have the great Ava DuVernay to thank for that. Uh, yeah. Excellent. yeah, that's yeah. right. Who, who is Ava then? Ava DuVernay. She's the uh, film director. She did the uh, the movie about mm -hmm. Selma, Alabama. Oh. Um, and another, yeah. she did the movie about the Central Park Five uh, mm -hmm. that was oh on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Ava's yes. been championing uh, mm -hmm. these stories, these narratives for yeah. for, for yeah. years. Um, and, and this film is from, is it from 97? 93, actually. 93, yeah. which really uh, surprised me somehow because it felt so contemporary, even though it's a period film. And mm -hmm. then I was like, wait, what? Wait, this yeah. film, <laughs> yeah, this it's, film's it's, got some it, age. It, it transcends. It, it certainly mm -hmm. transcends. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's to, to your point as well, it was, it's been really amazing that so many people, especially in the, uh, in the arts and film community, are, are unfamiliar with this film. It was, it was groundbreaking when it yeah. came out, um, and it remains so. And when, when did you first see it, Fahamu? Yeah. I, I first saw it in 93. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, when it first came out. Uh, in fact, I was, at, I was a freshman at the Atlanta College of Art. Uh, wow. And a friend of mine uh, who was in the film program there uh, saw it and told all of us about it. And, you know, we went to see it. I, I may have watched it two or three times in the theaters. 
uh, yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a reoccurring theme that these films that artists are bringing to this podcast are films that they saw at sort of a critical moment mm-hmm. in some, some in some part of their development because it's it's been a film uh, films that have sort of like lodged themselves in our psyches somehow had like a profound effect. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I yeah. just re- I've just realized too we haven't even said the name of the film yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, and- let's save it until the end. No. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> It'll be a surprise. No, um, go ahead. Please, please go in. Well, the the film that we're discussing is Haile Jarima's Sankofa, um, which, uh, like I said, it, it was a monumental uh, piece of, 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 of work. It was a monumental film. It's a mm-hmm. uh, legendary uh, film because, to you know, as, as was mentioned earlier, it, it was basically obscure for mm-hmm. uh-huh. you know uh, for years um you couldn't find it. It, it like back in the day you used to be able to go into a blockbuster <laughs> yeah. and get it on vhs yeah. Uh, yeah. but i don't think it was ever released on dvd um uh-huh. and, and it certainly uh-huh. wasn't available on any of the streaming sites yeah, yeah. so it was an issue of distribution exactly and availability yeah yeah, yeah. well and i know uh in a lot of the interviews that the director has done about the re-release they he really addressed um the sort of complicated um you know studio budget and release um, negotiations and how he didn't feel mm-hmm. supported um by mm-hmm. by any studio so and i think the same thing kind of still happens today sometimes where you get these smaller you know, oh, low, sure. low budget and, you know, they just don't really get the traction that like these crazy big budget, like yeah. Hollywood, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely machinery behind film distribution and film mm-hmm. production that uh, we could not begin to understand. Right. It, yeah. It's uh, a. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think we, I think we'd be remiss too, to not acknowledge, you know, the, the sort of wide scale um, uh, erasure and, and silencing of black narratives. Uh, yes. You know, during that time period. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, in the early 90s um, and really, you know, into the mid 2000s, if it was a movie yeah. about like gangbanging or like violence, right. or, you know, like those kinds of things, you know, they, they were uh-huh. making, uh, it, it was a kind of a, you know, a, revival of like black exploitation um mm-hmm. yeah uh, and yep. so a film like sankofa which you know presented a completely different perspective and, and black narrative was something that mm-hmm. the film film distribute film distri- distributors and production companies would probably not have had much much faith in um mm-hmm. yeah. you know being a commercial <laughs> success yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um fahamu could you give our listeners a brief summary of the movie sure um so sankofa is the story of a black american model who mm-hmm. is um doing like this photo shoot for some reason doing this uh-huh. fashion shoot uh <laughs> at this the uh the the uh, former slave castles in mm-hmm. um in in uh west africa um, yeah. And she encounters a a shaman a, or, or, or a griot who is the mm-hmm. self-proclaimed protector, guardian of the uh, spirits of ancestors who were 
lost um, to the violence of slavery. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as fate would have it, she finds herself transported back in time um, to uh, the period of slavery and goes through this entire experience um, uh, to, to ultimately be able to reconnect uh, to the spirits of, of her and, and, and our collective ancestors. Um, mm -hmm. And to see, and ultimately she's transformed by that experience. Um, but it's a, it's a powerful story about the, the legacy of, of, of ancestors and of African mm -hmm. magic and spirituality um, and resistance. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. which is one of the things that I really love the most about that film. There's been so many people who complain about the, um, about the number of, of films that are about slavery, right? You know, people are like, uh -huh. oh, I don't want to see another slave movie. I don't want to see another slave movie. Uh -huh. um, because largely in those movies, you know, the black subjectivity is, is diminished. Um, yeah. But in this film, it's the complete opposite. Yes, you get some of the violence and trauma of slavery, but you also see the ways that African people um, and, and uh, you know, our enslaved ancestors uh -huh. worked um, to resist yeah. those conditions. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I really enjoyed about this film that seemed to stand out from others is that it didn't have the sort of tropey white savior right. kind of narrative or character. Yeah. And I was really um, thrilled, you know, that mm -hmm. you didn't have that in this film, that it was really the slaves that, you know, they were very actively involved in the narrative and, mm -hmm. you know, they weren't assuming this sort of passivity when it comes to, you know, whether they're trying to rebel or start right. families or, you know, so I really yeah. appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it like no one's really uh, settling into mm -hmm. their, their role as an enslaved person. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, like the, the daily, um, how do I say this? Like, I feel like I've seen like outrageous claims about, Maybe maybe post slavery is this idea that um, when people didn't have a place to go because there was no infrastructure for freed mm -hmm. people to and and you I remember sorry I'm just not getting like the perfect uh, or a, a very How clear dare quote. You hide. But, well, <laughs> no, I mean it's just such a it's such an well, uh, you know, the entire industry mm -hmm. is such an and history is such an embarrassment that it's it's hard for a white person to speak about and not feel like they're going to step in it. You know, mm -hmm. but but <laughs> hearing here and I will, I will rest assured, but that <laughs> that um, you know, after after slaves were freed and they didn't have a place to go and there there was a an ongoing line that you know well they were happier as enslaved people oh, yeah. uh, but but uh <laughs> you know absolutely not how could any human being endure this lifestyle or even you know enjoy an aspect of it and, um, you know, one thing I wanted to say that is like a very clear symbolism, but like something that really struck me is that as the film begins and this American, African-American model of the 20th century is doing this fashion shoot and the shaman approaches and he's speaking in a language that she doesn't understand. And he's like very forcefully like t trying to tell her something. 
mm-hmm. or, or tell them something like, uh, because he's the keeper of the, the property, um, she's sort of hiding behind the mm-hmm. American oh. white photographer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So she's seeing, you know, th- this like culture uh, that she's not familiar with and the one she is familiar with and how she's hiding behind a white man mm-hmm. until she like transports into this other world uh, was, um, I don't know, just like... <laughs> The whole photo shoot was so abs- sort of absurd to me. I was sort of, it kind of reminded me of um, the the um, character in Austin Powers when he's like having sex <laughs> with the camera. You know, yeah. it's it's like you know there's moaning and there's you know I just thought it was so funny. Well, the, and the um, photographer keeps tr- trying to motivate her yeah. and right. saying like kind yeah. of sexualized more sex, things um, more to her. sex. Uh, more yeah. sex. <laughs> yeah. 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 But- it's, it's also even telling too, you know, at the at the at the moment where she, you know, finds herself following the the tour group through the dungeons, mm-hmm. um, right. and uh, she starts, you know, the 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 uh, the, the uh, slave catchers grab her. She's like, "No, I'm I'm not an African. You, you, you uh-huh. you're making a mistake. I'm not an African. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like those those moments, I think are are, are very telling. Uh, yeah. um, aspects of the, the the story as well because it's about that disconnect, you know, um, right, uh, that, right. That, that people have, like the, the kinds of um, comforts and, and security and, and mm-hmm. uh, privilege, right? That that mm-hmm. that we often extol as as um, Americans, and you know, we think that it makes us better or separates us from other people, but really, no, yeah. we're we're all the same. Like we're, we're uh-huh. you know, this this story is all of our story. Yeah. Right. Well, and I thought that the um, the tour group was sort of interesting at the castle, um, and it sort of reminded me of the tours that I've taken at the plantation homes in Louisiana. That's right. And it's mostly white people, and they're sort of walking through, you know, um, most of the time the, the manor houses, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just these very passive, you know, sort of like nodding and 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 then you know they might walk out to see the slave quarters and sort of acknowledge um but i think that has even changed because when i went as a kid i think it was mostly the manor house and a lot of the 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 history was sort of left out probably intentionally Uh but when i visited as an adult i thought it was really striking that like black people don't seem to go visit those plantation houses yeah that would be hard yeah, it's like a, but I think white people have sort of fetishized those mm-hmm. plantation houses. Like they have weddings there, mm-hmm. and it's oh god, it's it's, it's really gross. Um, yeah. In fact, I know for a fact that there was a wedding between two dogs at one of these plantation houses, and I was like, <laughs> I just, I don't know how to what? feel about this, but I think it's weird um, and, and unsettling. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it was, well, it, it was a Christian wedding. Right? It was definitely a Christian wedding. Yes. Two okay. proper canines came together. And I think, uh, they told me that the, the trick to getting them to kiss each other was to put peanut butter on their yeah. noses. Um, so, and it's just so silly. But, so that was um, a dog porn actually. That's so, that's such a, a strange phenomenon, right? Like this uh, kind of yeah. like rose colored view of history. Yes. Like who would go get married at an internment camp? Yes, Who would exactly. get married at like the site of a massacre? 
Who mm-hmm. like who? What? But this yeah. you know, this this kind of goes into like, you know, some of the, the, the broader issues that we're facing now in you know in the country, mm-hmm. like this 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 push, this desperate uh and ridiculous um push to erase history mm-hmm. and to, you know, um resist against like teaching the actual history of this country, right? You know, people mm-hmm. right, are, right. are making these claims that critical race theory is teaching people to hate, but um, hate was already there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, right. we're, we're, we're trying to get to a place where we can reconcile. Um, and you can't mm-hmm. reconcile uh, history if you don't acknowledge it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I do have to point out that Father Raphael looks, he is the spitting image. <laughs> Of our Texas senator, the devil incarnate, um, Ted Cruz, looks just <laughs> like him. <laughs> I actually paused. I took a picture. I sent it to yeah. Hyde. I was like, oh, my God, is this Ted Cruz in this and movie? It, it really does look like Ted Cruz in the in the still that you sent me. But, like, thank God I didn't see that <laughs> while I was watching the film because that would have made it. ever so harder uh, more difficult to watch yeah yeah totally and of Uh, course ted cruz is all about oppression and religion and so it's almost like it was too perfect yeah it was sort of this glimpse into the future something like that but yeah so so what aaron is referring to is that one of the enslaved people is the product of a rape uh by the plantation owner Mm -hmm. and he is light-skinned and he's Mm -hmm. sort of being like apprenticed to be um, like a, a, a priest. Mm-hmm. He's in some role as like a, an understudy to this priest. And this priest is, uh, you know, as you might imagine, like yeah. a, a missionary colonial priest. Uh, yeah, like right. a, hor- a horrible turd. <laughs> well, he's sort of this like placeholder for a father figure um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so because joe doesn't know who his father is although we Mm -hmm. later learn and i think i think it's pretty easy to sort of make a guess that his mother um nunu had been raped Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i don't i think in the movie it reveals that she had been raped um as a 14 year old which makes it super icky um in and of itself but then you know that she had been raped by a white person on the slave ship I that's think. correct yeah yes yeah but so he's uh, maybe sort of looking for that sort of father figure and found it as a lot of people do um in in the church but of oh, course sure. father Raphael is misguided i think in in the ways that he's you know i i think it's interesting how religion tends to like because there are passages in, in the Bible that are kind of okay with slavery. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile the book that you hold on a pedestal and, like, you just delete all that other stuff? I, I, yeah. I don't know. And yeah. obvious, obviously, Father Raphael is totally fine with, like, hurting people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and oppressing them. And it, that doesn't yeah. seem very Christianly to me. Well, I think I, I think that's also part of like maybe the, the statement that um, that the director is making in the movie too about the way that uh, like religion and specifically Christian religion and ideology was used to control uh, mm-hmm. the enslaved Africans, right? You know, so you have yeah. all of these moments where Father Raphael is is basically demonizing anything that has to do with like 
African, you know, mm-hmm. ideologies totally. or beliefs, you know, um, and, and basically forcing Joe to reject his own mother because, yeah. according to yeah. her, he, she's a heathen. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and there's, there's so much of that that has been woven into narratives of, like, uh, enslaved African experience, uh, ex- in, you know, black mm-hmm. people's experience, like, you know, the, the sort of, like, cognitive dissonance that you have to embrace in order mm-hmm. to accept, you know, those, that, that, that belief system. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's also uh, really interesting, too, um, to think about the way that, um, that, that Christian dogma was, was specifically used uh, mm-hmm. to, to try to get um, the enslaved Africans to, um, to, to uh, coalesce, right? Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh-huh. so basically, like, it, it wasn't so much that, like, the Bible encouraged slavery or promoted slavery or, uh-huh. or supported slavery, but certain passages would be drawn out and used, right. you know, right. as a means of justification, right. you know? Um, so it's like, obey <laughs> yeah. your master, but that didn't really right. necessarily mean like the slave uh-huh. master, right? It was really more right. about, you know, yeah. uh, God being this divine being that we should all mm-hmm. pay reverence to and we should honor our parents as we honor God, not honor our master, uh-huh. our slave master, like we uh-huh. honor God, you know? But uh-huh. it's about, you know, the way that it was like interpreted and, and fed back and they would, you know, yeah. if, if they did allow um, the Africans to, to um, or the slave, enslaved people to uh, go to church or anything like that, they could only reference certain passages, certain scriptures. Uh-huh. You know? Right, and, yeah. the, and they were kept from literacy right, so that exactly. they could make their own interpretations. Right. Because when you, when you, when you read the stuff out of context, right, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. you know, you can make it, right. you can make it fit whatever context you want. But when you have access mm-hmm. to the full book, you're like, wait, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and, and, and even that version of the Bible being edited 17 exactly. times. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I was also going to say like, uh, as a Catholic, like the, uh, the sort of, the use of the example of Jesus's suffering to prolong human suffering or to sort of like, you know, like you, you're like, how does your suffering compare to the suffering of Christ? Right. And we're going to make these images as gory as we can. Yeah. And you're going to like, if you complain, it just, um, you know, so, so lots of ill deeds have been done to humans with, uh, you know, um, with that imagery as uh yeah there's that great painting an altarpiece by grunewald i think that's like mm-hmm. jesus is on the cross and i've never seen anything so like gory as terms of like a crucifixion like i uh-huh. think usually when i think of crucifixion scenes it they're kind of like you know i mean he's pres- Christ is presented in sort of like a respectable way, but basically Grunewald presented him as like a corpse, like twisted, and it's really hard to to look at. But I think it, in terms of context, um, it's like they wanted the viewer to connect with the pain and the process of the yeah. crucifixion because of the plague. And so you have that like, <sighs> well you're feeling pretty crummy and Jesus was feeling pretty crummy. So it's a, hopefully that'll sort of ease your suffering Uh in a probably very mild way, but I would imagine it would have maybe provided some comfort to the viewer. Hmm. Um, I did want to talk about the, um, the hierarchies that I noticed um, that happened in within the, 
the slave. So like Joe, and there was another fellow. I'm forgetting his name, but he was one of the the headmen. Mm-hmm. And so oh, they. Oh yeah. They were positioned, you know, and it's weird because you have like they were at the the top of of the slaves, but yet they were sort of forced to um, punish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and really put them in these like it seemed like they were okay with it maybe earlier, but then you know when we saw them confronting um, the fact that they were going to basically have to kill this this pregnant woman who had escaped, um, and then they just couldn't stomach it. And I thought that was interesting that you had this sort of like confront confronting of their morality. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, like that system of control where you would take someone from the community and mm-hmm. give them sort of like middle management, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. torturer status. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it it, it really was an insidious um, Mm -hmm. system Mm -hmm. uh, that that we still kind of see play out to this day, you know. Uh, Candace Owens. um, Yeah. So it's this, this idea that, you know, the more privilege you have, uh, the better off you mm-hmm. are, right? And and then you yeah. then you go, come to at, at a certain point you come to a place where uh, your livelihood, your desire is to protect your privilege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to yeah. the, to and, and, and even if it means denying the humanity of other people, uh, but Absolutely. you don't want to lose that privilege uh, mm-hmm. and, and find yourself, you know, to 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 you know be um, blunt about it in the field, <laughs> right? Yeah. With, yes. with, with, yeah. With the other yeah. So I mean yeah. I think you know I think that was a really um, you know mm-hmm. this is this is something again that I think was really amazing about um, Sankofa and the way the story is told. Like I think uh, um, uh, you you Aaron you you talked about the fact that um, the white figures in the film were were almost absent, right? Like it was mm-hmm. really about mm-hmm. the social dynamics of these black mm-hmm. people, right. you know, in this system um, and how they mm-hmm. are learning and how they're resisting, how they're uh, coping um, and, mm-hmm. and, and developing and all, all these different things. And I just think that it was really powerful that you have all of those different uh, dynamics happening. Uh, it's very, um, uh, like, it's, it's, it's very distinct to say, like, uh, Django Unchained, where you had, like, um, right. Sam Jackson's character, who who is completely unwavering in his denial mm-hmm. of the fact that he's an enslaved person. Right. Right. Uh, right. And in, in mm-hmm. Sankofa, you have uh, Noble Ali, who's a head man, but he has a complete change of 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 of, of heart. You know what I mean? About mm-hmm. what he's doing to his people and, you know, his love for Nunu and, and her mm-hmm. defiance. Like, as long as you're a head man, as long as you're, you know, carrying that whip, yeah. I will never lay with you. Like, I cannot do that. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, I think those kinds yeah. of moments are super powerful because they 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 reveal a level of humanity that we rarely get to see in films where we talk about enslaved people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. 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 No, it's I I call that kind of phenomenon is the like I got mine mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because I see it in a lot of communities where say like queer people you know it's like say the white gay male who is affluent does it not concern himself with trans rights does mm-hmm. not concern himself with women's rights because it's like he's very comfortable where he is mm-hmm. but um i, I just I, f- I find that very difficult to take to accept uh <laughs> you know 
that we're not all in this together and that we're not, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, I mean, we can go talk about feminism, um, mm-hmm. but unfortunately a lot of feminist, um, uh, you know, like the motivations aren't really to help all women. Um, sometimes it's like hyper-focused uh-huh. on like, hey, let's make sure that women um, can show off their nipples. And it's like, can we not focus on <laughs> like feeding people and making sure people have like access to healthcare instead of like our nipples? I mean, yes, our nipples are important, yeah. but like people are dying. <laughs> so right. a little perspective. Yeah, you know. let's... <laughs> Let's just do a chart uh-huh. of priorities. A, yeah. frag- a fragmented people is an easily controlled. Yes. People, yes. You know. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know. We 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 sow this. They, you know. They sow seeds of dissent amongst the populace. You have mm-hmm. the populace fighting with each other, and while mm-hmm. we're distracted right. fighting with each other, they're doing all of the other things that they're going to do yeah. to control yeah. and pre- yeah. preserve their positions of power. Right. It's like yeah. you know if yeah. we if we all come together. Which is why, you know, like the Black Panther Party was so, uh, you know, the the government was so invested in destroying the Black Panther Party. Because at a certain point, the Black Panther Party began to rally the Latinos and rally Mm -hmm. the Uh Asians and rally poor white people and and form a Uh coalition, right, that was... That that would stand in the face of, you know, um, uh, government overreach and... Um, yeah. oppression mm-hmm. and all, all these different kinds of things and they were like nah we can't have this we can't have right. them all on one accord um, it's mm-hmm. yeah it's so effective i mean because yeah. you know on one hand you're like they're the the masters of the plantation are totally outnumbered right you know but they've got everybody mm-hmm. divided into these factions and hierarchies mm-hmm. and then you know uh, but then you see in the movie in Sankova that they do, you know, have these meetings and they're trying to organize mm-hmm. and strategize. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like they're – and I, I bet I can imagine how fearful um, that the, mm-hmm. the plantation owners would have been of the revolts because I think that there were revolts that had happened in Haiti. Yep. And yes. it's like, uh-oh. Um, yeah, because it totally could have happened in America, you know. Well, yeah, Haiti became the the, the which is why uh, Haiti is still struggling and suffering being punished. to yeah. this day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The first the first nation to you know fight and revolt and gain their own independence. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's that that same um, idea, like you know, to to imprison a person, you have to be in prison with them. You know, um, uh, and, you know, I, I, I can't imagine it being extremely comfortable for, you know, slaveholders, you know, to sleep well at night ever. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. unless they had the protection of other, you know, of, of slaves who, yeah. you know, would, would guard them. Right. Like, that's the only way that they could mm-hmm. do it. So we have to yeah. give some of them this privilege you know, mm-hmm. this access to to the house, this access to our food, yeah. and they will fight for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it really happened, but it's also such a intensely poignant metaphor for, like, current political, like, activity. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, yeah. too, I wonder, like, I, 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 like, I feel like there was probably way more um, revolting and resistance than history wants to give credit to. Um, oh yeah, you know. Right. Uh, I mean, like, you know, for example, that the in, in Sankofa you have this, uh, excuse me, maroon community 
uh-huh. and and there are uh, histories throughout the African diaspora of these maroon communities, whether it's in Jamaica or uh, um, uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti, uh, you know, all of the Caribbean islands. Here, even here in the United States, you had these communities of um, escaped uh, slaves who oftentimes found uh, refuge amongst Native American populations, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, and, and, you know, worked together to, you know, to, to fight against uh, 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 Euro- European um, uh, slaveholders. Um, like, for mm-hmm. example, in uh, Panama, uh, there's a community, uh, a, a small town called Portobello. Um, Portobello uh-huh. was the, like one of the first major cities in this hemisphere um, that was established by the Spanish, um, wow. you know, in the uh, uh, 15 or 1600s. Uh-huh. But but the city was ultimately like the city was like the Wall Street of um, uh, of 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 this of this hemisphere for uh-huh. a while. Uh-huh. Um, but ultimately, the city was lost because you know they were bringing um, uh, enslaved Africans. Some would fight and run immediately into the hills and the jungles, you know, above uh-huh. the city. And ultimately, uh, these uh, Africans, who they call the Cimarrones, um, uh-huh. made a pact with the pirates. Hmm. Uh, oh. And they would attack, uh, you know, schedule attacks of the sea. So the Cimarrones <laughs> would come down from the jungles. The pirates would attack uh-huh. from the sea, and they, you know, uh-huh. they ultimately, you know, uh, took Portobello. Um, and the the descendants wow. of the Cimarrones still live in Portobello to this day. Uh, yeah, it's wow. amazing. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I've never heard this. Yeah. That's uh-huh. fantastic. This yeah. is what yeah. happens in Southern education, unfortunately. Just lots oh. gets edited out, and mm-hmm. then we all have to learn about it on mm-hmm. podcast or YouTube or something. <laughs> and it's shocking. <laughs> I was thinking about um, there's a museum in Baltimore called the National Great Blacks in Wax hmm. Museum. Have you heard of this? No. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a curious place um, where it's a wax museum. So, um, you know, all of that sort of like uh, the, the sculpture, the figurative, you know, all of that uh-huh. is there. Um, but instead of, you know, showing the history of white people, it shows the history of black people in America uh-huh. and coming uh-huh. over from Africa. Um, the wow. When I heard about this museum, and it's very realistic, and, it's, and some of it's quite brutal, as you can imagine. Like uh-huh. they have, you know, images of the KKK and they have images from, you know, torture and mm-hmm. um you know they're not making you know any allowances for editing and uh, so but children uh-huh. who visit this museum have stories about how they uh, black children uh were mm-hmm. really kind of traumatized um oh. from the like the school trip that they would uh, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, if a child uh, was Jewish and they went to a Holocaust museum and right. sort of, you know, was confronted with their ancestors and the sort of brutality. Um, uh-huh, and uh-huh. I I know that the museum is important. I just, and that, Fahamu, so you're a dad. Like, how do you reconcile, like, the sort of, the history and the sort of violence? And mm-hmm. when is it appropriate to, like, educate somebody about that? Yeah, that's a great question, and I, and it, and it it really makes me again think again about why a film like Sankofa is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it, it it presents an alternative to the dominant narrative, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, the the I think the reason a lot of times uh, people become traumatized by uh, this history of of slavery is because mm-hmm. it's like the, there's a there's an African proverb that says, "Until lions have historians, the hunter will always be the victor." Ooh, um, yeah. And okay. so, as you know, when when uh, when these stories about slavery are told through the lens of a white experience, the black mm-hmm. person is always at the bottom of the totem pole. And that's a traumatic uh-huh. way uh-huh. to think about yourself as less than, as mm-hmm. less than uh-huh. human, as coming from a slave, right? Um, uh-huh. And that's why I think so many people are like offended by like the slave narratives and they don't want to see uh-huh. any more of the slave narratives because those stories ultimately say to you that you are less than, right? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Sankofa presents a different alternative to that narrative. And then also in my Mm -hmm. own, you know, journey and education and research, I've learned so much about, uh, you know, the history of, 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 um, the, the Africans who were kidnapped and stolen and brought to this country. They weren't, uh, which is why uh, you may have noticed, I never call them slaves. Mm -hmm. They weren't slaves. They were enslaved. Right? Oh yeah. Um, okay. and, and and that's a very very important distinction because it mm-hmm. it it denotes the violence that that it took to yeah. you know strip the humanity away yeah. from this person. Like uh-huh. you know they didn't just go over to Africa and grab some random people. Right. They, right. They right. grab knowledgeable uh, knowledgeable people who came and taught these you know European landholders how to grow these crops. Right. 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 You know right. how to train these horses how to build mm-hmm. these buildings how to you know uh, uh, um, uh, take this cotton and turn it into this right. fabric and material yeah, exactly yeah. like brilliant people uh-huh. they brought brilliant resourceful scientists uh-huh. doctors uh, um, uh, agriculturalists like they brought people humans over yeah. here um, and when you when when that story gets told from the perspective of the human lives right that uh-huh. that were taken then you have a different kind of story right like it yeah. wasn't just that they brought black bodies over here who were ignorant and you know beast like right. or you know what i mean like that was that's yeah. the story that they tell right mm-hmm. um, but that's mm-hmm. not the story um, and so i right. think i think it's important that we get to a place where we tell the stories like more accurately with with with, with um, that that have uh, more complexity to them um, because it, you know again it wasn't yeah and it wasn't even that they just came and took them you know it was a, a whole mm-hmm. system that was in place to to make these right. things happen and that that right. people really don't understand or at least give credit for. Um, right. Have, have you um, are you aware of the work that Fred Wilson did? I th- it was a public art piece um, and. I Dang it! I forget what where this was, but he uh, it it was a public sculpture that was meant to honor the history of Black people in America. Are you familiar with this one? Uh, no, I'm not. Yes, it's a cur- it's a bit curious because it never actually came to fruition. 
Um, and a lot of black people protested um, because they didn't like what he was uh, presenting as a as an idea. And basically, uh-huh. what he and I thought it was brilliant. But you know, um, like I'm coming at it as an artist and not somebody who lives in that community as a black person. But what he did was he took a figure that was already existing. That's so like Fred Wilson, right? He took a figure from a public monument of somebody who had been enslaved, and then he was going to recreate that figure but in a way that looked more um like that he that that figure had um was standing upright instead of you know Mm -hmm. um kneeling Mm -hmm. and removing maybe shackles so there's some way that he was altering the figure to make it feel more empowering but a Uh lot of people uh didn't care for that idea and then it never actually ended up happening uh-huh. It might have been in Baltimore, actually, maybe. Hmm. I can't remember. But I just, I thought that was fascinating because, you know, public art is so complicated. Um, and, you know, pe- yeah. Yeah, people have, and I've never done public art, but like, it scares me because there's, <laughs> you know, there's so much like bureaucracy that can happen with, with the public piece. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and so I think if you had to drive by that sculpture and to be reminded of, even though that the figure had been repositioned, but it still took your mind back to that original, like, a representation of that enslaved person as somebody who was not seen as a human being, I think it still would have been not empowering enough. Like, maybe mm-hmm. he didn't push it far enough. But, yeah, I mean, people were not, people were not into it. So mm-hmm. I want to look um, that up. Yeah, I'll send you the, um, I'll send you, there's a really great video that he did about it. It's, it's really fascinating. I always bring it up with my students because I like for them to argue in class. And, <laughs> and this one really opens up a lot of uh, opinions about public art and, you know, artwork that is about American history. So mm-hmm. it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. But Fahamu, um, do you, speaking of, do you have any public art commissions? Oh. Uh, yes, I have done a couple. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one recently uh, was uh, installed here in Atlanta. Um, it was uh-huh. called. It was uh, a modified police cruiser. Um, oh. uh, so you guys are in Texas, so you know, like uh-huh. in Southern culture, it's very. Uh, it's not uncommon to see uh, um, black guys driving you know, uh, repurposed oh, yeah. police cruisers, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, totally. and I always thought that was a really ironic, uh, you know, <laughs> I- ironic thing. Um, yeah. but I also understand, you know, that it oftentimes comes from accessibility. You know, you don't have a lot of money to go to a dealership and right. buy a new car, but there's this, yeah. you know, old police car that's been decommissioned that costs $1,500, yeah. right? I'm yeah, going to take that yeah. $1,500 car. I actually know where they sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Austin, there's like a railroad commission, uh, like auction in Austin, and you can get, yeah, retired cruisers. I just had to buy a, a used car, and now I'm really mad that no, I didn't No, I don't think in, you... You don't think I should have... I only need that's a, a car... That's a lot of okay. weird juju. I know, but like I only need a car for like a, a nah. year, and then it's done, so it's yeah. like... Uh, but that... so. I I think that is so smart because I I know exactly what you're talking about and 
there is yeah there's like tension there with mm-hmm. that um so what did the what did your piece look like so the piece i it, it so i took this cruiser i um had it wrapped in like this metallic gold wrap uh-huh. um and i ripped out the guts so the ends like the front seat uh and the dash and everything was ripped out and i replaced it with a drop down screen uh mm. and from and then you can enter the car from the back seat and then you watch a film that i created uh the the piece is called we can't cop cars without seeing cop cars um Uh (laughs) which is a uh a line from a song by kanye a line in a song by kanye west um but again just this this irony of um you know excuse me black existence and and black joy and black mobility uh thinking Mm -hmm. about like notions of like freedom and agency and within mm-hmm. blackness like what does that look like um and so the film is like a short film it's like five minutes long um that shows this young black man uh who is experiencing this like joy and freedom just riding in a car uh uh-huh. but at the end of the film you realize that he's basically just kind of been daydreaming this whole time mm-hmm. about having uh-huh. his first car and he's like in a junkyard just like on a broken down car but um so that i love that wow what's the location of the sculpture uh well it's it's been um uh taken down now but it was on the uh belt line in atlanta uh but the car is just here at my studio now i've been trying to find a new location i'd love for it to be permanently installed somewhere but yeah for for now it's just here in the studio anyone listening fahamu's ready to go you know who does great public art at times is sounds like it's totally up Dallas Contemporaries Alley. Um, I might put you in touch with the curator because that totally sounds like something Peter would be all about. Mm -hmm. And they've they've had um, several public sculptures like in front of their museum or kind of like in the parking lot area. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe you could have a home in Dallas. Let's do it. I'm ready. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Kanye West um, because I was wondering if you were a fan and super fan. Yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I was feeling like, and I, and I appreciate, uh, Kanye West m- maybe more as like an avant-garde, like performer. Mm-hmm. Um, my boyfriend listens to him a lot. So like I, but he, I don't own any Kanye West songs, but I can appreciate him as just somebody who like totally keeps pushing like our expectations of hip hop mm-hmm. and I really enjoy like his music videos. I think those are always kind of interesting. Um, and I was thinking about that one. Um, what, what's it called? It's with, he's got like a bird who's yes. his girlfriend. Um, I, <laughs> yes. uh, man, what's the name of that song? I can I hear, called, I hear the music in my head. Right. Um, it's, it's called runaway. I runaway. Think. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, this had come up on my radar a little while ago and I was like, Oh, because there's birds. I'm sort of connecting the dots very loosely here, but there were birds uh, that were symbolic in the movie Sankofa. And then mm-hmm. I think you've also used birds as mm-hmm. sort of a symbol or a metaphor. And I'm, uh. and I know these are very loose, like, but I don't know if you could kind of talk about the ways that like, this sort of symbol of a bird has inspired you. Yeah, I would love to. Um, yes. uh, just first on the, on, the, on the Kanye West thing. Yeah, yeah I, Kanye I, West. I, yeah, I yeah, am yeah. a Kanye super fan, have been since day one. Uh, in fact, I almost did my dissertation on Kanye West. Uh, uh, it was called We Don't Care What People Say 
obstinate uh-huh. resistance in the work of Kanye West. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, you know, again, thinking about, you know, to your point that, you know, the way he pushes the envelope on like hip hop, but also the way he pushes the envelope on notions of resistance. Like, what does it mean to resist? Because at a certain point, you know, again, people, I think we have adopted um, a, a kind of comfort in as perverted of, as a way as it may be. It's almost like a Stockholm syndrome. Um uh-huh. You know, uh, and the reason I think so many people get offended by Kanye is because he he doesn't allow you to get comfortable. He yeah. doesn't allow himself <laughs> to get comfortable. You know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. are like he has yeah. all this money, he should be quiet. But all right, that doesn't make you comfortable. That doesn't make you resolved. That doesn't make you healed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. that same kind yeah. of thing. Like, you know what we talked about with the um, uh, slaveholders. You know, mm-hmm. giving certain privileges to people as a mm-hmm. means of uh, pacifying them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. What, what happens when oh you refuse gosh, to be pacified? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's how I see Kanye West. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, but his mother, I just I found out, was a teacher, I think. Yeah, an English like, professor. Yeah. English professor, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just mm-hmm. like, I had no idea. But that totally makes sense, actually, sort of thinking about him and his his um, music yeah. so super and, smart and and even um, at that not only was she uh an english professor but she was also a very outspoken activist in her own right and you know constantly okay. pushed um uh kanye you know not just you know like whatever he was into she mm-hmm. supported him wholeheartedly and i think that's a, also another wow. thing that's really um compelling about him is that his mom never let him feel like he couldn't do something, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and yeah. now here he is, this person who's been told, you can do anything, you could do anything, you could do anything. And he goes out into the world and people are like, yeah, but you can't do that. Right? Yeah. And uh-huh. he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm going to do that. Now, just because you told me I can't do it, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what? I want to know who told him he couldn't be president of the United States. Uh, and it was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, did somebody tell him that? Well, I'm sure. He ra- I'm sure. He was uh, trying to to run in the last election. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kn- feel like he's. I feel like he still will. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. At least run in the Texas election. Just help us out here in <laughs> Texas. My God, you know, we need some sense over here. Um, golly, I'm so. I wish that I. It would be wonderful. I mean, obviously, Hyde and I don't have the connections to put you in touch with Kanye West. Uh, but <laughs> my, it just sounds Oh, come like, on, Aaron. <laughs> get that roll of that I will. I will. But, you know, to do uh, a, a video or some artwork with him, I think, would be, like... Um, a dream come easy. true. Yeah. A dream come maybe true. one day. We're yeah. going to start working on that, so... Yeah. I feel like you're well on your path, Fahamu, mm. like... So, so these projects you've been doing with television. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Oh, wait, but before we do that, I do want to uh, yeah. address oh, the yeah. bird question. Oh, the bird. Yeah. Yes. Oh, right. Um, we do this from time to time. We, kind of, we have a <laughs> <laughs> very indirect route. Yes. <laughs> but no, they, they, so it's, it's really interesting. Uh, uh, birds have, um, have, have colored my work in a number of ways. From the very beginning i remember back in the day when i was like really struggling and like trying to figure out how i was gonna get my career off the ground and you know i had to work like a bullshit job and you know i mean yeah uh, I, I, <laughs> on my walk to work 
um, from the, the train station, I would often come across feathers uh, oh. on the ground, you know, and uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would I would collect them. I would keep them. And I told myself, like, these were signs from, like, my guardian angels to remind me that uh-huh. they were there, you know, just Ooh. like, don't, like, we haven't forgotten you, you know, just keep going, you know, uh-huh. and I would, uh-huh. I would ultimately work those feathers into my, like, drawings and paintings, you know, um, and I often made uh-huh. references or made paintings about angels and things like that. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so uh, later on down the line, as I'm doing, you know, more and more uh, research, you know, uh, and, and, and um, you know, I also practice um, a, a spiritual system from uh, Nigeria. It's called Yoruba or Ifa, uh-huh. um, which uh-huh. is a, you know, ancient, ancient, you know, spiritual practice. But it's, it's super dope. It's super beautiful, like the concepts and the cosmologies and everything. But one of the things uh-huh. that they talk about is uh, birds. Um, being this sort of emissary between heaven and earth uh, yes, because they can fly and they, you know, uh-huh. are, are here on the ground. Right. And so they are messengers between, you know, heaven and earth. And I always found that to be super beautiful. Um, but also, yeah. you know, it, it, those, those kinds of uh, discoveries in, in this research of like uh, African cosmologies and particularly uh, Ifa have given me language to talk about my use of these kinds of elements um, in a way that I didn't necessarily think about, like like consciously, like I just sort of responded uh-huh. to spiritually, um, yeah. and and you know, and then found these connections that just made it even uh, deeper for me. Um, mm-hmm. But the last thing that I want to say, and this brings us back to Sankofa, mm-hmm. yeah, is Sankofa itself is a concept, it's a philosophy that is based on a symbol of a bird. Um, mm-hmm. And the, ah. you, you, you'll see on the shaman's staff, at the top of his staff, is a bird yeah. with his head turned backward. Like, you know, um, uh-huh. and this is, this is the symbol of Sankofa. It's this bird who's in flight with his head looking back behind him and holding an egg in its mouth, right? Which mm-hmm. symbolizes its future. And the notion of Sankofa, what Sankofa means is it, it literally translates, go back and fetch it. Right. Um, right. But oh. but the idea <laughs> is that uh, in order to know your future, in order to understand your future, you have to understand your past. You yeah. cannot go forward uh-huh. if you don't know where you came from. Um, and uh-huh. so that's what Sankofa means. And so this idea of the bird um, is, is powerful for me in a number of ways. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and we're back at critical race theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and the bird can be a really just simply a powerful symbol of freedom, I think. So there's Mm -hmm. a really, you know, like, I think that it's a very accessible symbol um, for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot about uh, Nina Simone when I was watching this. And Mm. so she went to, she lived in, I believe it was Liberia Mm -hmm. um, for some time. And from what I remember, and I'm such a big Nina Simone fan, um, but she had a pretty tough life here in America, as you can imagine, yeah. um, in the, the 60s, well, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, and then was like, I'm kind of <laughs> Until done. Until she left America. <laughs> yeah, and then she was like, I'm done with America. Mm-hmm. Like, it's racist. And she, she went to, to Liberia. And mm-hmm. I don't, what do you think about that? Pahamu and Not, her sort of escape yeah, to her I think home country. It, it, it wasn't uncommon. Um, yeah. A, a, a mm-hmm. number of um, 
black artists, uh, black intellectuals, uh, yeah, just black people. <laughs> you know, yeah. once they had the the um, the resources, would would go back to the continent as a means of yeah. sometimes as a means of escape, but often as a means of of, of reconnection. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, like really truly trying to. Like if if you're really doing this journey to know who you are, mm-hmm. it's ultimately going to lead you back to that soil, to that ground. Um, yeah. Because again, so much of the the the, the history that we we're given, so much of the information that we're given, the context that we're giving about who we are as 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 people, as human beings, is told to us through the lens of the 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 the, the systems and people that yeah. have once oppressed us. They're only going to give mm-hmm. you so much of the story, mm-hmm. right? Because if they gave it to you all, and, and oftentimes, to, to be fair, <laughs> yeah. they don't even know it all, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Um, and, 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 and have also been uh, seduced and uh, distracted right. and manipulated mm-hmm. by those same systems, right? And so, you know, if you if you're genuinely doing the work, I think as a black person, you're ultimately going to find your feet on African soil, and you're going to mm-hmm. see things that you have never imagined before. You're going to see uh, aspects of yourself that uh, that you didn't know existed, but you're also going to yeah. find some of the most familiar and welcoming and warm embraces that mm. you'll ever encounter. Wow. Um, it's it it is truly 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 uh a a gift and a gem like the the things that i was told about africa growing up as a child uh fell you know uh 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 miserably uh in reality to what i experienced when you know Mm. when when i got to africa for the first time Mm -hmm. Um, Amazing. And I always That's so inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I, I always love to tell this story of like how my uh, fascination and, and passion and desire for anything African began. Uh, uh-huh. So when I was um, when I was about four years old, uh, I lost both of my parents. Right. My mm-hmm. uh, my 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 father uh, suffered from uh, schizophrenia and, you know, mm-hmm. back in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s, uh, as a black man trying to receive mental health care. Oh, my you know, God. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, no, go home. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Yeah. Ultimately, uh-huh. um, he had a psychotic break and he ended up uh, murdering my mom. Um, <gasps> oh, my gosh. In, in, in the presence of, uh, of my siblings and I. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when I say I lost both of my parents, my mom, of course, was yeah. deceased, but my father became uh, institutionalized. Um, mm-hmm. He was put yeah. into a mental institution. Uh, anyway, we uh, ended up um, being shipped off to South Carolina uh, and uh, uh, adopted by my great aunt. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, now I'm Fahamu Paku in this little, little town in South Carolina uh, where everybody's yeah. name is John and Richard and Mark and, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah. You know, I, I hated my name. I absolutely hated my name. Uh, and I wanted to have a normal name, a quote-unquote normal name so bad. Um, yeah. But as fate would have it, uh, one year, I think I was maybe like seven years old, my father actually called us from the institution that he was in. And now at this point, I'm afraid of him because I've also heard these very, very 
you know, horrible stories about my dad from people who, you know, my mom's relatives who all right. despise yeah. him at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, he, uh, he gets on the phone with me and we're talking, and, you know, he, he, how are you doing? How's school? Blah, blah, blah. And then he says, um, do you know what your name means? And I'm like, my name means something? Uh-huh. Wow. And he's like, yes, your name is Swahili. It means understanding, you know, and, you know, he breaks it all down for me. And I'm like, wow. I just got chills. That's amazing. That's so you know? appropriate for an artist. Yeah. Yeah. You Gosh. know, and, 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 and it changed everything for me. Now I'm yeah. like anything, you know, Swahili, Africa, Kenya, East Africa, uh-huh. like, you know, like I'm, I'm anything uh-huh. that has anything to do with Africa. I'm into it now. Uh-huh. And, and and that's been my 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 journey uh, for uh-huh. for so long after that, which is why again I think it's so important um, that we expose uh, um, our youth to mm-hmm. you know the truth and to the history and to the magic you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, that that exists there because I think it changes the way people see themselves. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I know Nina Simone um, really only talked very lovingly about um, living in West Africa. Uh, But then she moved to Switzerland to, uh, I guess, for educational purposes for her her girl, Mm -hmm. uh, but hated Switzerland because she felt that um, everybody went to bed too early, like at nine (laughs) o'clock. Like I could see that being a downer. Uh, but yeah, I can imagine that would be an incredibly powerful experience. That, thank you so much for sharing that. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Wonderful. Gosh. Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly give a shout out to Lucy in the story of Senkova. Uh-huh. I appreciated her plight. Um, hi, do you remember Lucy? Tell, tell, uh, refer, you know, I watched the film like two you weeks it a ago because I thought, I, yeah. and it's, I have such a bad memory, <laughs> but I, I know I'll remember who it was, but yeah. just orient Lu- me. Lucy was, uh, the woman, uh, that was trying to seduce Joe mm-hmm. and. Oh, right. Yeah. And so she was really hot and heavy for Joe and and then you know sort of attempted to get some sort of magical potion love potion at uh-huh. some point now i wasn't sure did she give him something that made him sick i know at the end um it seemed like he was because that was right before he ended up spoiler killing mm-hmm. his mother mm-hmm. um but what fahama do you know what happened there because i was a little confused yeah with um, that scene when uh, Shango mixed up whatever this yeah. you know, herb was, he warned her not to give him too much. You know, oh, okay. Uh, he, he told her that it was going to make him a little sick, you know, at I first. See. But, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. you know, don't don't give him too much and definitely don't give it to him at night because, you know, he um, won't wake up. Um, that's right. Yeah. And I, I, and I think uh, if I'm remembering correctly, she was a, a bit zealous uh, because she was... Uh-huh. Really hot and heavy for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. And she put a bit too much in it, and it it, it made him turn violent instead of uh-huh. doing what she uh-huh. had in, in anticipated right. it would do. Yeah. yeah, I know. And then, of course, his mother is trying to comfort him in the river, and then he uh-huh. sort of has this like awful reaction to her love, and ends up, you know, in the spirit of Father Raphael, um, thinking yeah. that she's some sort of devil demon worshiper yeah yeah i think she took his cross off of him like she saw oh, that's, the or the, cross uh-huh. right and yeah, right yeah, that, yeah. and that triggered something that father yes. Raphael told him 
Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Gosh. Oh my God. This kind of uh, warring over or, or, or battle for his soul, mm-hmm. for his psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, Fahamu, like knowing this uh, biographical information about you too, like it gives me this different kind of understanding of, of why Sankofa like resonates with you. I mean, of course it would, but like, Oh, like on so many mm. levels now on so many different uh thematic points like um profound <laughs> oh yeah i mean it, it 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 touches um it touches on a number of like intersecting uh yeah ideologies that that again that that things that i like feel uh-huh uh and felt uh it like like yeah. like a story like sankofa helps me language that yeah you know yeah. um yeah. there's a there's you know in addition i was going to mention this earlier uh there's a in addition to sankofa right like being one of my favorite films one of my favorite uh-huh. books is things fall apart by chinua achebe um, okay. Which has you know some some parallels, uh, except that it all takes place in Africa, uh, in a small village, um, but it is around the, the sort of uh, imposition and intervention of, of colonialism in this uh, village, um, and ultimately, uh, you know, Catholic missionaries, you know, are coming into uh-huh. this village and trying to you know, uh, take the children out of the village to teach them about mm-hmm. Christianity and teach them right. to reject, uh-huh. you know, their traditional values and systems and things of that nature. Separate them from their culture. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And yeah. um, uh, one of the, uh, the the men in the village who's like one of the, the bravest warriors and, you know, uh, legendary warrior, he is resisting, he's fighting, he's trying to get everybody, like, don't let these people seduce us, you know, and he ends up committing uh-huh. some crime that forces his exile for seven years. And when he, uh, when he returns to the village, he doesn't recognize it anymore because it's completely sort of given oh, over fuck. to, you know, this, this oh, like, no. uh, yeah. um, these Europeans. Um, and uh-huh. he ends up, uh, you know, I think, spoiler alert, he ends up killing himself after, oh you know, trying to write whatever he felt was happening in the village. But it's such a powerful yeah. story, again, about the ways in which, you know, we've, we've sort of been um, manipulated and deceived and worked against, uh-huh. and, you know, um, what happens when you try to preserve, when you try to restore, when you try to um, uh, mm-hmm. acknowledge, like, the, the, the real, like, truth and history and, and, and memory. Um, uh-huh. I, I, like those kinds of things, I think they they really resonate with me because it, it, again, it, like I think the intervention of my my father, like teaching me about my name at an early age, set me on a path that mm-hmm. didn't allow me to be so blindly, you know, seduced by the yeah. stories that I was told. Right? It was like, wait, uh-huh. wait, wait. There's uh-huh. there's more to it. You know, there, there's yeah. there's much yeah. more to it than than what I'm seeing. Um, and, you know, and I've always been a curious person. I've always been driven by uh-huh. questions. And so, you know, like a film like Sankofa, a novel like Things Fall Apart or Water mm-hmm. and Spirit or, you know, Kanye West, like they have me, they, 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 in, they encourage uh, me to continue to ask questions. Yeah. When you were, um, I, 
deciding to become an artist, did you feel any resistance from your family or your friends um, with that decision? Or were they like excited for you to become an artist? You know, it's, I, I think if you ask anyone uh, who's ever known me in my life, if they, if, if they saw me doing anything <laughs> other than being an artist, they, they would, mm-hmm. they would probably have a heart attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've yeah. like, this is like, since I could hold a pencil, I've been yeah. drawing and drawing on any and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very clear from a very early age. I wanted to be an artist even before mm-hmm. I knew what that meant. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, again, I think, you, you know, maybe there is something to uh, a name, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what we right. name people, how we name yeah. people, you know, like a part of this journey for me of art is about understanding, you know, um, yeah, you know, like trying to interpret through the art that I create as a way mm-hmm. for me to understand, but also as a way to encourage or uh, or coerce yeah. understanding for other people. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's all over. Yeah. I, yeah, I never got any resistance. You know, that's wonderful because I think a lot of, you know, young kids, they tell their parents they want to be artists and they think they're crazy um, mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not going to make any money and they're going to do drugs and all this other, and which is all <laughs> true. Um, <laughs> but it's so... It, you know, I just wonder, and it makes me sort of sad as a teacher to know that my students are probably getting some of that from, I was really lucky. My, my family was just like, do whatever you want. But I also think that they thought I would like marry a doctor and it would be fine. It didn't work they, out. they had a plan. They had for a plan. You. Yeah. A four year plan. Um, and I, I, I didn't follow it. Um, so anyway, so well, I, you know, yeah. go ahead. I, I think some people can can participate in the arts and it enriches their lives. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I feel like everybody should have that opportunity. And then I feel like there are people like Fahamu who it's just sort of in the stars, mm-hmm. in the cards. And it's like, you are an artist. That is your destiny. There isn't a plan B. And I feel similarly in that, like I haven't been good at other things mm-hmm. and I haven't been, I mean, I have a lot of interest, but like that's, that's the thing I feel really drawn to. And it, it certainly wasn't like, a, you know, a solid economic plan to become an artist. Uh, but, 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 you know, what have you? It's like, you know, you've got this one life. You really have to follow your instincts. You yeah. Know. Totally. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, again, there's, there's also something very uh, uh, potent about art especially mm-hmm. from I don't I don't I don't I haven't thought this all the way through so bear with me um, oh. but, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I, I've, I've, I've come to understand again through like study and research of like the you know of, of, of Ifa and other African you know indigenous um, cultural and spiritual practices that art mm-hmm. isn't like like it, Art, like for for example, there's no word for art, right? Uh-huh. In a lot of uh, languages, oh. like art is <sighs> art is 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 a is a spiritual exercise. Uh-huh. It's it's a way of communing with uh, uh, and convening uh, God uh. in the physical, 
right? Yes. So yeah, you yes. can make a chair, right? But what happens when I, you know, add this little bit of color to this chair, or if I change the design so that it leans back a little bit, or you know, I made this pot to carry water, but when I put these symbols uh -huh. on there, when I add this little spout to it, right, like it, it it's like that little uh -huh. touch that brings God into the conversation, right? Uh -huh. um, and so uh -huh. art isn't this like. Um, you know, commercial endeavor. Art isn't this. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know, this, yeah. this, 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 this. Just, uh, just about you know, aesthetics or or objects, right? Mm -hmm. It, it, it really yeah. is a spiritual practice, and I think we yeah, we see that. Yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, we 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 see uh. we see that in a number of ways throughout the black experience, whether we're talking about visual art mm -hmm. or dance mm -hmm. or music. Or, or literature, like whatever it may be, that expression is powerful um, mm -hmm. and, and, and urgent and necessary. Yeah. Totally, totally. I could not yeah. agree more. It, it, it's kind of, oh, oh, Go ahead. Go, Erin. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I always feel like I get taken, you know, when I'm in the zone in the studio, it's like I'm at kind of like this metaphysical place where, you know, like time and space is sort of arbitrary and, you know, everything kind of dissolves and, you know, you do kind of reach like a mm -hmm. spiritual point, you know, when you're making something just for the sake of bringing something into existence that has a foundation of emotion or history or memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? But that, you know, hi, do you ever feel like you get in the zone? I know I've seen you in the oh. zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and what Fahamu was saying yeah. about it being a spiritual practice, I mean, that's what I've I've said for a while mm. now is that it I don't really pray unless I get like scared, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like but but my spirituality happens in my artwork. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how I communicate with God, through God, mm -hmm. what have you. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny when you talk about language and, and some cultures not having a word for art because it's so integral into mm -hmm. like your lifestyle and your, your just daily going about. But I, I almost feel like by having the word art, it, it does a disservice to art because people say it. And they feel like they understand what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's a lesser definition. It's sort of like the bullshit definition. It's like, oh, I love art. We're going to go down right. to uh, the Dude. festival and we're going to, I'm going to buy a, a, you know, a brass tree. Uh, and, yeah. and that's art. And I, you know, we love art. And, oh, I love, oh, I love art because I love wine. And like, I like to go and paint while I'm drinking wine. It's uh -huh. like, no, you missed it. You're like, it, imagine if people spoke about God like that. Like, oh, I know God. Right. Yeah. Oh, we went down to that cute little building and we, we had some wine and, oh, oh yeah, I, I love God. You know, like, but, but art doesn't get the respect that I feel like it, yeah. it deserves because it is this transformative mm -hmm. thing that I still don't understand. And I try to do it every day, but I still don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that's such a, like, I love that analogy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, that just, that came from us y'all. Cause I, I never said that before. Um, Hey, I don't want to forget to talk about this one thing. Cause I like, um, I noticed in the credits that the, 
prop master and the uh, art director, mm -hmm. maybe designer, was Carrie Marshall, yep. listed as Carrie Marshall. And I was like, is that Carrie James Marshall? The one and only. Is that? Whoa. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's one of my favorite wow. artists. And to know that he's involved in that project, I just want to know. I wish there was a making of Sankofa oh. mm -hmm. so we could see people on that set. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and that's something that I, I learned fairly recently. Like, uh, I, I didn't know that back, you know, when I first saw the film years ago. Uh -huh. uh, and when I learned that, it, it actually blew my mind. It gave me a, a, a right? deeper reverence for the film as well. That's yeah. crazy. I, I did yeah. not know that. That's amazing. Yeah, that I just sense, noticed though. that. Yeah, because it's spelled K E R R Y. I was like, that wow. that's too close. Mm -hmm. I bet it's him. Yeah, but I I, never, I couldn't find it anywhere. Wow, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, Fahamu, is there anything else you want to add to the conversation about it, the movie or your practice? Yes, I do. I want to. Mm -hmm. I, I I you know I want to go on on record. I said it on Instagram and all that kind of stuff but you know this mm -hmm. is you know this is you know you guys it's podcast so I know it's gonna go everywhere around the world uh -huh. um, yes it is <laughs> <laughs> we're big we're super big yeah <laughs> uh, but but I, I I do want to one acknowledge and say thank you to Haile Jarima for making this film um mm -hmm. yeah for fighting for this film uh yeah uh and, and and for having the um, the 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 vision and the literally the the, the cojones, you know, to <laughs> go go up against you know the film industry, uh, yeah, in the way that he did, like you know, he he held his ground, he did not compromise his vision uh, in any mm -hmm. kind of way, and you know, and, and and as we have you know acknowledged, you know, the the silencing of the film has certainly been a sort of punishment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know he stayed he stayed true to it and 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 now we can uh, you know enjoy it yeah. we can share it we can uh, use it as a teaching tool you know mm -hmm. connect to mm -hmm. so many more people now thanks again yep. you know um, to the 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 wonderful brilliant queen Ava DuVernay um, mm -hmm. and I have to say thank you to Ava for for doing this because she did not have to do this. Right. You know, right. um, she uh, has, you know, through her um, platform, um, Array Films, um, uh -huh. mm -hmm. she is doing a great uh, service to the black community by uplifting mm -hmm. uh, these stories and, and, and shining a light on folks like Haile Jarima, who, mm -hmm. again, like the film industry, you know, most people are like, who? Um, yeah. It's mm -hmm. like, how do you mm -hmm. how do you study Francis Ford Coppola and you don't know Haile Jarima? <gasps> I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's you know? shameful. Yeah. Um, well, that, that, that's going to change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, thank so, you so yeah. much, Bahami, thank for you. bringing no. this film to our attention because I had never yeah. heard of it and I've taken uh, film classes before. So, you know, <laughs> it's not something that a lot of people see, but now everybody can enjoy the film and, you know, um, hopefully through this podcast, sort of get a deeper insight into, you know, some of the more nuanced perspectives. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And this, 
I say my. This has been inspiring. Yes, thank you so much for <laughs> for doing this. This means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Right. Oh, Fahamu, yes. before we go, are there any upcoming exhibitions, any projects that you would want the public to know about? Oh yeah, could... for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so as 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 fate would have it, uh, I am um, uh, proud to announce. Uh, that I am, uh, I've curated a residency and exhibition that will uh, debut during the 154 Art Fair uh, uh -huh. in March of next year at uh, in in Mar uh, Marrakesh, uh, Morocco. Oh wow! Uh, wow! Uh, so this is yeah, it's at the uh, Montreso Foundation um, in Marrakesh, uh, and then I'm also one of the curators for the Congo Biennale. Uh, which uh, will be in September and October. Um, Bad ass. Yeah, so uh, of of twenty two. Of of twenty two, yes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, it is uh, the theme of that. That's amazing. <laughs> thank, yeah. yeah the, the the theme of the Biennale is Breath of the Ancestors. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And, All right. And it's a it's the first time that this Biennale is going international. We have we had over four hundred artists from around the world submit projects. Wow. Um, we were able to uh, edit it down to 44 artists, and we are super excited. So I have that going on. I have a few solo shows that will be popping off, nice. including in Paris and yeah. London uh, next year. So, you know, your boy's out here working. Wonderful. God. I yeah. really hope things, you know, pick up and that you can get your career on I know. track. We'll, we'll keep our fingers I, crossed for you. I'm really pulling for you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe this podcast will launch you. Maybe you'll get. <laughs> I'm betting. Yeah. I have put everything. I'm staking everything on. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Well, hi. Do we want to uh, just quickly talk about our next episode? Um, uh, yeah. Remind me yeah, of what I that know. is, because gra Grandpa can't remember <laughs> anything. <laughs> so, and I actually have to look it up. So, uh, Margot Crump. Um, is our next artist, and in a, in the spirit of Halloween, she has selected. Um, now I don't know how to say it. I say the witch, but it's spelled it's witch with two V's. I don't know if you've oh, seen that one yet. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've seen it a I've couple times. It. Okay. It's an amazing. And I was film. like, yeah. I think I think Hyde has either seen this or he's going to enjoy it because there is yeah. like goat devil kind of stuff, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, so that'll be our next episode. You watch your mouth, Erin. <laughs> Where's, Where's the soap? Okay. Well, thank you again. We really appreciate yeah. you. And this was just such a yeah. fabulous conversation. It was delightful. Uh, thank you guys yeah. for having me. And please, everybody, watch Sankofa on Netflix. Yes. Let's, let's take it to number yeah. one. Heck yeah. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Thank Bye, you, you guys. Bye, hi. Bye, Fahamu. Ciao.